Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So at various times in 1966 and 1967, um, the sightings continued of a of a Mothman-like creature, uh, a humanoid-like alien visitor, um, to um, to what is commonly described as Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but as Susan Shepard was saying, it's, it was really a much wider area than that, including uh, Parkersburg. But let me. So you were as you were telling the story, um, the 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 guy who you had you had a chance to interview, the tapes you had. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he re, he recounts something which I remember. I thought pretty vividly. Um, in the movie Mothman Prophecies, which I really enjoyed as a movie, um, not caring whether or not it was that close to the actual story, just I thought it was well told. But that whole thing about the about the interference and the white noise on television, mm-hmm. and the fact that that guy became sort of so paranoid he started walking around with a shotgun. That part turns out to be true. Then, yes, but that is not Merle Partridge. That would be Woodrow Durenberger, and that okay. has to do with the uh, the appearance of Indrid Cold. And the appearance of Ender Cold happened on November 2nd, 1966, one mile south of Parkersburg. Ender Cold really, in his description, uh, Woodrow Durenberger's description, actually sounded pretty much to me like a, a, a man in black. Uh, and there were sightings of men in black, you know, all over West Virginia at that time. And I even had a sighting uh, as a child in 1967, uh, above the hillside where I, I grew up, which was about two hills away from the Partridge family. Um, so, you know, John... But, but explain that to me real quick. When you say the men in black, are you referring to the government investigators, no, men in black? Right. See, this is so. Right, this is the... this is So I just, for people who commonly, you know, they associate the Will Smith movie and men in black from the comic book as, you know, disinformation specialists sent in by the government, there's an, this whole other um, understanding of what the men in black were. So you'll have to explain that for people who don't know uh, it. Well, men in black... Um, tend to uh, turn up, or they turned up uh, witnesses uh, to witnesses who had either encounters with the Mothman or who had encounters with UFOs. Uh, so, uh, And they, they seemed to be, to me, they were alien types of, of uh, creatures. They were not really human, even though they looked human. Uh, but they also would say um, they, they seemed to be awkward uh, with... Uh, you know, they drove late model black cars that looked brand new, and this, they looked like cars in the 1940s and 50s. Uh, and then they would begin to kind of, uh, in a subtle way, they would begin to threaten some of these witnesses not to tell their story. We don't really know for sure what the men in black were. Uh, we do know um, they, you know, they they are associated with the UFO sightings and also sightings of the Mothman at the time. I know that Woodrow Durenberger was visited by the men in black. Now, Merle Partridge, he never told me if he was. Uh, so I'm not sure whether he had uh, visits from the men in black either. But it was about an hour later after the Partridge sighting uh, in Centerpoint. This is about 96 miles away, if you drive it, in Point Pleasant, was when the Scarberries had their sighting of the Mothman at the TNT plant. And as they were coming down Route 2 they saw that the Mothman was trying to outrace their car. And, of course, this was extremely frightening. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very frightening yeah. to them. And the wings were so big, they, they, they hit the side doors of the car. Mm-hmm. And Linda Scarberry, one of the witnesses, 
glanced over into a field at one of the uh, billboards at the time, and she described the eyes very similar to what Merle Partridge, she, she thought they were red electrical lights. When the billboard was caught in the beams of the car, she saw the Mothman perched on the billboard, and the red electrical lights were, in fact, his eyes. He flew off the billboard. He began to chase them down the road. They drove immediately to the Point Pleasant Police Department. Uh, I believe it was Roger Scarberry who made the famous drawing of the Mothman and made right. the report. Yeah, that drawing, uh, if it's the same what I'm thinking of, it's yeah. it's it's creepy in its um it's I mean it's tell me if, it's sort of childlike in a way. I mean it was really fundamental and sort of rudimentary, but that's what made it even creepier to me. It was it seemed like like somebody who uh it, it didn't seem professional in the way in which we might look at a uh, a drawing from a police sketch artist or something like that. And so the fuzziness of it is kind of what uh what got to me. Yeah, there's really no head on the moth. Yeah. The red eyes were kind of uh, right. in the shoulders. Right. But when the police went outside to inspect their car, they saw these huge scratches. But while they were driving down Route 2, Linda Scarberry also looked uh, beside the road at the city limits of Point Pleasant, and she saw the dead body of a German shepherd dog. Mm. So um, the next day, uh, Mr. Partridge, uh, Bandit, did not come to the back porch for his breakfast, like he always did. This is the German Shepherd dog. And they remembered they had seen the dog for the last time running into the barn after these red eyes, this lumbering-like form. So uh, Merle Partridge, his sons Roger and Gary Partridge, and his daughter Mary went into the barn. The barn had a mud floor, and they found the dog's uh, bandit's paw prints going around and around in a circle, and those paw prints did not lead away as if that dog had been picked up and carried away by something much larger and much stronger. Hmm. Mary Partridge told me they also found these footprints or these prints in the mud floor of the barn, and they looked like enormous turkey tracks. Hmm. And, of course, Bandit never came home, and it was later when Merle Partridge was reading an article uh, about the Mothman. At that time, he did not have a name. In, in newspaper reports, they were calling him the Birdman. And he read the part about uh, the Scarberries having seen this dead body of a German Shepherd dog. And he thought the story was somehow related to his experience an hour before on the same night. So that's just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. How, how do we make the jump between uh, Birdman and Mothman? Well, the Mothman was named by a newspaper reporter after a comic book character. Yeah. Because other than that, he didn't have anything in common with a moth. They they described the wings as being flesh, almost like bat wings. Hmm. And it was they were described as either brown or uh, a gray, and some even reported the Mothman was flesh-colored. But um, then later, uh, Linda Scarberry said uh, when they went home that evening, the Mothman actually followed them. And she said that he peered in the window at her all night long. And in one interview, she said, even to this day, I will not look outside the window after dark. Now, she has since passed away, as Merle Partridge has passed away. So most of these witnesses have died. 
so you have me to remember these stories. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thank and you you are a great archivist. So the 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 Mothman prophecy as it the story is frequently told comes with an added component of a kind of um I use this word loosely, but a kind of schizophrenia in the part of the victims who can't get voices out of their heads well, at that, that was point. Well, kind of based, uh, if you remember the character, character Gordon Smallwood, the, I can't remember the actor's name, it was Will something. Yeah, he's Woody the guy overall, who's, yeah, I look, he's a good actor. Okay. That was Woodrow Durenberger, who was not a farmer. He lived at a, at a farmhouse. He lived on a farm, but he was actually a sewing machine salesman. And he was actually stopped by Andrew Cold on November 2nd, 1966, which was 12 days before the first sighting of the Mothman. And uh, when John Keel was in Point Pleasant, he heard this story about this man in Parkersburg having been stopped by this alien in a charcoal gray craft. Uh, it was at the crossroads of I-77 and Route 47, about 6 o'clock in the evening, evening on November November 2nd, 1966, so no Mothman had actually happened yet. So John Keel saw some relationship between Mr. Durenberger's uh, account with other accounts of UFOs alongside sightings of the Mothman. Now, most of these UFOs were described as lights in the sky, but um, and, and then later, of course, Merle Partridge had a very similar thing happen to him which has never been published, he also saw a craft, too. Uh, really? Which he told me, yes. He said uh, uh, he was, on, in the spring of 1967, he was lying out on his deck, and like you said, the hills are very high here in West Virginia. Yeah. And a charcoal gray, it was silent. A charcoal gray craft, you know, just floated over top of him. He said it made no sound whatsoever. But he said it was so large that it kind of blackened out the entire sky. And uh, the description of a charcoal gray craft is almost exactly that Woodrow Durenberger described Indrid Cold's uh, UFO um, that had stopped him on November 2nd, uh, mm. 1966. And that's, that's a story that's never been covered very much. Uh, and it almost it, it, it almost seems nonsensical, right? Um, you know, but uh, but so. they, whoever said who, you know those those who tell that story mean it, so we can't quite just throw it out, just even though it doesn't quite fit. Well, uh, yes, go ahead. No, I was going to say Will Patton was the name Will of the, uh, yes, exactly. the the actor who was great in. Um, uh, he's currently in a show called uh, Oh darn it, uh, Swamp Thing. He's in a, the new version of Swamp Thing. Oh, he's really? I love that actor. Oh, he's so good, and he was great in uh, like um, uh, No Way Out and other movies too. So, um, but then, but that's the thing about these stories too, and I, I think it's only fair that it's part of what makes a story more believable to me if all the parts don't fit together. If everything fits together too nicely, then I think they've been grooved. They've been sanded until they fit. And I, I, I think it's more interesting and more believable when pieces don't fit. And I find it interesting, too, that John Keel in his book described the Mothman's eyes as bicycle reflectors, looking like bicycle reflectors. But all the witnesses said they look like red electrical lights. Now, how would a humanoid, it's very mysterious, you know. I don't know, but that's an interesting, I don't know that that, like, I, so I I get why you're, dif the, dip, the point of differentiation there, but 
when I see bicycle reflectors, and I see, you know, I live in a college town, so there's bicycles everywhere, because they reflect off of electric light, mm-hmm. they do have a, a kind of component where they, they could, for a moment or two, they can look battery-powered because all they're doing is reflecting other light out uh, because of the design. So I kind of get that a little I bit. Do. I don't... I, I don't seem like, like that doesn't seem too discontinuous to me. But now I, at the very beginning, when I asked you about that, I said, you know, there was this other piece about them being that this being a prophetic vision, that there was a message that was being sent about the silver bridge collapse. Yes, um, that had to do with Chief Cornstalk's curse, the Shawnee okay. Indian chief in the late 1700s where he'd been put in jail in Point Pleasant and some kind of fight ensued and, uh, Chief Cornstalk was shot and killed, in which it was said that he cursed the Ohio Valley. Hmm. And they talk about it as Chief Cornstalk's curse. Now, that's that's probably, um, you know, John Keel tying that into the story. I don't know for sure if it, it really was Chief Cornstalk's curse. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. I do know this. It, it, I'm part uh, Delaware and Shawnee Indian. It seems like every time I go to Point Pleasant, I get a terrible headache <laughs> while I'm there. I, I, I always get a migraine. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun time. Yeah. But, um, at any rate, yeah. And, and what's too is really interesting is many of these witnesses have Native American ancestry. Uh, the Partridge hmm. family were uh, Blackfoot Saponi, and uh, uh, Woodrow Durenberger was something called Black. Dutch, and that usually in this area of the world means Shawnee Indian. Hmm. It's so mysterious, all these yeah. things. Um, oh, I love that. But um, yeah, yeah. But so, the Silver Bridge was a real tragedy, and so it's interesting that they tied that in because, like, almost fifty people were killed yeah, when the it was, uh, it was. It was in December of nineteen sixty-seven. Yes, it was and, certainly a great tragedy, and they almost uh, look at the Mothman as a harbinger of doom. Right. Uh, but I, I really can't. Ha- I don't have anything to add to that. Right. No, and I'm glad you're not uh, trying to create one either, because I think that's that was kind of that actually is sort of the weaker part of the movie to me is I that the, so yeah that the, the Mothman was trying to say stay off the bridge or go to the bridge whichever way you look at it it was like they either wanted a higher body count or a lower I couldn't quite figure it out but I mean I think that's where I I think that that wasn't almost necessary the other stuff was just so creepy and and yet at the same time I was a little worried so did did Gordon's the character of Gordon Smallwood commits suicide in oh, the no, movie No 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 he right. did not right. uh, Woodrow Durenberger he continued to have um visitations from Andrew Cold uh, I can tell you about that story, if you want me, yeah, I, we've got two good minutes. That would be a great way to end this hour. Oh, Go okay. ahead. Uh, well, he was driving south toward his farmhouse in Mineral Wells. He was a sewing machine salesman. Uh, he got about a mile south of Parkersburg at the intersection of I seventy seven Route forty seven when he thought a tractor trailer was coming up on him without its lights on. So he swerved hmm. to the side of the road. Much to his surprise, this truck. Uh, rolled across Mr. Durenberger's panel truck, and he realized it was a spacecraft, a dark charcoal gray spacecraft. It hmm. came down, and it hovered about 12 inches off the road. A hatch opened. A man stepped out, whom Mr. Durenberger described looked like any ordinary man you will see on the street. There was nothing unusual about his appearance. 
except he was dressed all in black. He proceeds to walk toward Mr. Durenberger's truck. Mr. Durenberger begins to hear these words, Do not be afraid. I mean you no harm. I only want to ask you a few questions. And that is when Mr. Durenberger became afraid, because as Andrew Cole talked to him, his lips did not move. Uh, uh, <laughs> now, that wasn't in the movie. <laughs> no, that would have been better. <laughs> Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.